Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delight Podcast. My name is Adam, and I get to serve as the pastor of Central Ministries here at South Mountain Community Church. And with me, as always, uh, has been <laughs> for a while now, uh, I've got Pastor Eric, our lead pastor on one side, Pastor Trevor on the other side, our pastor of teaching and discipleship, and glad to have you guys here again as we wrap up this mini-series. Yeah, this is the third and final part of our discipleship paradigm that's uh, really uh, been communicated to our church um, over the last three weeks. We're building a culture here. Culture is uh, an interesting word. It gets talked a lot about in organizations and can be a little fuzzy. At least it was for me for a long time until I found my way of understanding it and talking about it, which is, you know, culture is the combination of values paired with behaviors. So you have these things you value uh, in an organization and you have behaviors that go with those values. So values and behaviors uh, produce the sum total of values and behaviors is your culture. Um, but that's a bit ma- a bit of a mouthful. So I just like to say that uh, culture is uh, what people experience when they're around you. And we want to create an experience here at SMCC that when people are apart, and around the other people that are here, uh, it produces uh, discipleship. We want to create a discipleship culture, and um, the hope is that that culture happens in three ways. It happens in our heads, happens in our hearts, and happens with our hands, and so that's where we've been, and this will wrap up that culture today, that discipleship paradigm, because we're talking about the hands today. Excellent, yeah, and so if you guys haven't listened to previous weeks, go back and do it. We've got the episode on head, episode on hearts, and uh, now we're at hands and, and what that looks like. So, um, man, I feel like some people could say this might be the simplest one to break down, but I'm not even entirely sure that's true, that hands is the easiest to, to think through and break down. Well, yeah, I think I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think if anybody has spent time around religion, the natural pull is toward moralism or legalism or serving with the hands, right? Like that's really a part of religion is that, hey, shouldn't we just be loving people? And um, so let's get our hands busy. So I think it's, it's pretty easy to understand. Where we're coming from, though, is that um, we want that type of behavior, that type of loving action to be an overflow of something that's happened in someone's head and their heart. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure there's gospel motivation behind the hands initiatives and activities. So in a lot of churches, a lot of religion, we serve with our hands because of what God's going to give us. We're doing Mm -hmm. this to get that that's, so it's really a duty. It's a job and I'm going to get a wage at the end of the day. Uh, In fact, Jesus uh, talked a little bit about that. Um, And it's like there was a parable on that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, but gospel motivation is different. It's because of how much uh, Jesus has loved me as demonstrated by his action. Now I'm happy to respond to his love by loving others, doing for others what he has done for us. And so um, to set this up uh, in the big picture, we've talked about authority, identity, and activity. Activity is doing for others what Jesus has done for us in terms of serving and loving and giving. And so um, now we're going to do that with our hands. But that is not out of religious duty it's out of devotion and delight it's a response to all that we have we're not doing that to get we're not doing that to earn salvation we're not doing that to earn his love we're not doing these good works out of um 
a desire to earn our salvation. Mm. We're doing these good works um, because Jesus has already done the work on our behalf. Right. And right. so that's a that's a really different approach to hands. Um, but yeah, on the on the outset, you might see a group of people from SMCC, you know, uh, pulling weeds at the school, and you might see another group of secular. Uh, Habitat for Humanity people doing the same initiative. It might look the same, but the heart posture can be very different. Yeah. And that's where head and heart are really important, that we have a gospel identity that comes from a gospel authority, and then that produces some gospel activity. And that's why this one takes some attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so just understanding that um, the motivation's got to be right for this. And yeah, exactly. probably a lot of people who are doing things in this category motivated by the wrong thing? Many people. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. That's right. And so that's, for us, you know, as a church, we don't start with activity. It seems like for a lot of churches, that's where they start and end. But for mm. us, we start with Jesus. Uh, we start with authority and identity first. Yeah, it's interesting. We get, um, we get messages sometimes um, to social accounts or to our emails asking us questions about certain things related actually to activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, man, I love the idea that you've helped me think through and responding to those things. We're not really actually as a church um, in terms of, and this may not be related to hands or not, but in terms of activity, we're not necessarily focused on the activity, activity, activity. This is the one thing we're focusing on. This is what is most important to us is activity because we think that produces not devotion or delight. There's right. got to be that other uh, motivation there mm-hmm. above that. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that that's something that we've explored in other areas as well. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to be clear about that. We want to get that right. You know, a lot of people um, do ask us, like, what do you do for the city? And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I appreciate that question. Um, and, of course, uh, giving a gift is always contextualized to the person receiving the gift. I don't give my wife the same gift as I give my kids on Christmas. That would be weird and unloving. So you got to say, based on the the circumstance we find ourselves in, the culture that we're in, what is the best gift? What is the best act of love for a culture inside of Utah, um, for a person in Utah? And that's, you know, led us to um, create services where people can understand who God is. Um, For people who are very confused theologically, the best gift is not we go over and mow their lawns because their lawns look pretty good already. Although we would do that. (laughs) We have done that. Um, uh, We want to give a gift that actually connects with our, with our culture. And that's been um, an accurate depiction of the gospel. Um, But then, you know, we just had this big old trunk or treat. Trevor, what'd you dress up as? Oh, I was the, I was Willy Wonka. You, you were a good Willy Wonka. (laughs) The candy man. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, really proud of our church. We're coming off of a, a trunk or treat where a lot of people got their hands dirty. Um, building out their trunks, handing out candy, and 3,000 or so people showed up because that actually is a gift. It's, it's, it's a gift to a culture where families are looking for ways to connect. And so it's this family event. So that, that was a good example of a hands initiative that demonstrates we are for this part of the state. And people came up to us and said, this is incredible. I mean, what a gift to your community. And I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, trunk or treat, you know? They didn't have those in the Bible, but we found a way to contextualize <laughs> cultural engagement to Utah and trunk or treats one of those things. So I was really yeah. proud of the, the work that people did with their hands uh, over the weekend. Yeah. So where do we get this motivation from? Um, obviously, we've talked about in the earlier episodes about um, just engaging those different parts of who we are, um, as Jesus said. But what are some other scriptural references that we have in terms of understanding this activity of hands as opposed to just head and heart? 
Yeah, yeah. I know we're going to hit on a couple of these. Um, I think one would be that we've touched on throughout the series is this passage that is both in Mark uh, and in Matthew, known as the greatest commandment, um, kind of in the in the Gospels. And um, in the question that Jesus is asked, it's in uh, Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Um, a teacher of the law asks him this question, uh, what's the greatest commandment? And he responds first by saying, love the Lord your God, uh, listing all of these different pieces of a person, essentially love God with the sum total of your being, right? Head, mm-hmm. heart, and hands. And then he goes on and adds an additional piece to it. Uh, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And the two are connected. And so part of the way that we actually love God is by loving our neighbor, because in loving and serving our neighbor, we're loving and serving someone that God has, uh, that God loves so much that he was willing to send his son, that Jesus was willing to give up his life for their benefit. And I think that's really where the, you know, the gospel activity comes in hands in our, and when we're serving, we're doing it for the benefit of other people, those that um, are around us. And at the same time, in doing that, in loving and serving and honoring them well, we're really loving and honoring and serving Jesus well, who modeled that very way of life for us. Yeah, it makes me uh, even just think as we're writing um, our our message for this Sunday, we're hitting on something like that again, just to how um, one of the temptations that Jesus was facing was just to give people a sneak peek, I guess, but um, to use his power to serve himself and not to serve others. And yet Jesus is the ultimate example of that, that my life is not for me, mm-hmm. um, it's for others. So uh, there's a big piece of that. In yeah. That. Yeah. It's interesting too, how, um, like a lot of churches, I think it is easy to gravitate towards hands, right? Towards activity. Um, and when that happens, especially to the exclusion of head and heart, it is just kind of, it leads to burnout and devotion with no delight. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not a positive experience. And yet I think at the same time there, it is possible to kind of focus on head, to focus on heart, to be intentional there. Uh, and it never translates to hands if we're not intentional. Mm. Yeah, and that's why we have this sort of guardrail for us or these rumble strips on the side of the ministry that is SMCC in our culture, which is we measure maturity by how well we love God and love others. Mm-hmm. And and we're, we're not down on knowledge and theology and clarity, um, but we know that love is designed to be between um, people, shared mm-hmm. in relationship. And so um, that's really, really important. Of course, if you were to scan the New Testament and read, you would see that love matters, that serving serving matters. And um, one of those passages is, the, is in the book of James. And we looked at this over the weekend, but this passage is really important to me because it highlights the connection between identity and activity uniquely. Also authority as well. You see all three in this James passage. Uh, the James James chapter one is a, is a bit difficult at times because it James is pushing for good work in a big way. I think Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, which by the way, happy Reformation Day yesterday. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, Halloween. We always forget because Halloween falls on the thirty first. I was out trick or treating <sighs> with my kids, and you know you can always tell who like the real Christians are when they're yeah. like Happy Reformation Day on, on, yeah. on Halloween. You know? Actually, at uh, Adam and I at our school. There would every Halloween there would be students dressed up like Martin Luther, just walking yes. around in the brown robes wow. and everything because they got extra credit if they really. Did it. Yeah. Wow. Wait, really? Did you I didn't know about the that? credit part. Yeah. yeah. I just thought I would have like done a, it if you yeah. knew he got extra yeah. credit. Yeah. For certain classes, not for all of them. I just thought it was a nerdy Bible school. Thing Trevor, was it hard getting into Moody? By the way, I wanted to ask you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had this inside conversation, listeners, uh, before we uh, record the podcast. Trevor's, you know. Confessing some things from getting into Moody back in the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, 
I don't know what I was trying to say with that. Uh, I was out <laughs> trick-or-treating last night, though. Anyways, um, oh, Martin Luther. Yeah. He struggled with James chapter 1 um, because James does highlight good work. And it seems like, you know, he says faith without works is dead. And Of course, in the, in the, the book of James, you have to have this uh, concept in your mind, vertical righteousness and horizontal righteousness. That's the best way to understand the book mm. of James. So vertical righteousness with God happens for free. It's a gift, the substitutionary work of Jesus. I'm righteous before God because of Jesus. But the thing that helps me stand righteous with my neighbor is actually my good work. That, that uh, it demonstrates that I'm right with God when I treat my neighbor right. And that is, in James's understanding, um, uh, of discipleship. And that is really important to James. So in James chapter 1, we see this really cool um, way of talking about identity and activity connected. And he, he's basically going to give this illustration. If you say you're a Jesus follower and don't actually get your hands dirty serving anybody, you're like a person who looks in the mirror and forgets who they are. You've lost sight of your identity. That's what James 1 is, is saying. So let me read this uh, for us, um, picking it up in verse 22. Do not merely, my eyes don't work, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I just love how clear James is. Yeah. You guys, don't just listen, you know, each week to these people, give a great explanation and presentation of God's word. You need to actually do it. That sounds like action to me. Activity. Um, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You've lost sight of your identity, sir. (laughs) Verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, this is really a way of saying when you understand salvation, you understand it produces freedom. That freedom is then used for the benefit of another. That's you now living out your gospel identity. Hmm. Perfect law of Christ. He lived this way. He lived out this law. Mm -hmm. My life for another. Um, He goes on and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So a little bit of authority mixed in there. Like you need to obey this. Mm, You need mm -hmm. to obey God in your life. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, and this is very much a hands thing, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So our hands are to be involved serving people who are in need is, is basically what James is saying. And so he goes on uh, to talk about that in, in the book. Mm-hmm. So, and, and one more thing, Adam, a while back you asked a question about doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people um, who, you know, they're not going to miss an opportunity to help somebody move because it gives them a <laughs> sense of self-righteousness. Like I've done, I've checked the box for the day. Sure. Um, by the way, uh, 9 a.m. Saturday, guys, I'm moving. So That's why I'm helping you move. <laughs> I'll see you there. Because I want that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another powerful motivator for doing good things is guilt and shame. Another one would be fear and manipulation. All those can produce the right activity, but it's the right activity for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think it's really important that, that we build an, a culture at SMCC that's devotion and delight. It's activity flowing from an identity based on an authority who already gave their life on behalf of the whole world. So that progression of head, heart, hands is very, very important that that progression we, we up, uphold because if it's hands first, and I think a lot of people, especially in secular culture, even push hands first, uh, they go, look at all that we're doing. Look at all that we're doing. Look at all that right. we're doing. And I just want to ask the question, but why are you doing it? 
And for many, many people, they're doing it as a way of earning their righteousness or justification for their life. Even if they're secular, there's a secular approach to justification. My life counts because I'm a great blank, right? Great Mm -hmm. philanthropist. I'm great in my neighborhood. I'm great because I do these things. Well, that type of justification is self-focused anyways. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, it's... uh, it's an unhealthy approach to serving. And so then you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're using your neighbor for your own justification. That is a very unhealthy way to live life. I'm not actually loving you. I'm using you. Yeah. And I can see that that happens a lot in the world of good deeds or good work or philanthropy or volunteerism. It's I'm doing this to feel good about me, mm-hmm. which is pretty ugly. Um, and so I think a gospel identity roots out the ugly approach to good deeds and brings in a real, a real uh, healthy approach. What you're saying, it actually uh, it reminds me of a Seinfeld episode. Uh, I've seen every one. Which one? It's where George decides he wants to be a philanthropist. <laughs> yeah. Because then he would have a lot of money and people would have to beg him for it. And when he gave it to them, they would owe him. Yeah. That, that's his exact logic. <laughs> and, and you know what? There's a lot of people who think God owes them because after all, they've been doing the good religious thing for so long. Surely God must owe them, you know? Uh, yeah. And um, unfortunately, that happens a lot in religion. Yeah. And so uh, um, the way we talk about hands is, is with a gospel motivation. It's a big distinguisher. Yeah. So what do we do at SMCC for this? Well, how does that convert over to, yeah. to our strategy? No, that's great. That's great. Um, well, it happens inside the walls of our church and outside the walls of our church. And, um, you know, I think uh, we can't do everything. You know, uh, Andy Stanley uh, once said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm. And, you know, we can't be involved in every email we get about a great opportunity. So mm-hmm. we've decided um, to be clear about what we're, tr- what we're trying to accomplish and intentional and clear in terms of what happens inside the walls and clear on what happens outside the walls <clears throat> of our church. And so inside the walls, we have ministry teams and opportunities, really environments uh, that make it highly likely that people can get their hands dirty uh, in, in their faith and... Um, you know, our ministry teams, um, you know, we, we have this value that the fully engaged attender value and serves the guest. Well, mm-hmm. a guest by definition is inside one of our spaces for the first time. They're a guest here. And so, you know, I think, I think it's easy for people to come to SMCC and say, it seems like you guys push serving inside the walls more than outside. Yeah, because we have a value that says environments matter, culture matters, mm-hmm. especially in the state of Utah, as people want to clear presentation of who God is, we want to make that presentation happen in a way that's enjoyable. So if that presentation truly is the biggest gift, if a gospel presentation is the biggest gift to people in Utah, then we need to create environments that happen inside the walls of our church where that presentation can happen. And so that's why, yeah, you know, the, the, the scales are tipped in favor often of serving inside the walls of our church because of that cultural value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens outside the walls of our church with something that's on your job description, Adam, our ministry yeah. partner relationships. Yeah. So really what we have right now is a pretty clear strategy and process for ministry partners. Um, like Eric said, um, man, there's always, there's tons of people that are bringing us great opportunities, great organizations to work with. Um, I've been reading two different books recently that both, um, quote uh steve jobs you may know him uh, or actually no i think this one was no this one was from tim cook i take that back um talking about how (laughs) apple's this company that has so many good ideas floating around in it but what makes them best is and i'm paraphrasing here 
is saying no to a lot of good ideas. Mm -hmm. Now I say all that to say is that we have ministry partners that we intentionally partner with. Could we, are there a hundred great, you know, ministry partners that we could have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't facilitate that. It's just not realistic. So we have ministry partners uh, that we kind of categorize as local and global. Yeah, so, take us through who those are, just so yeah. maybe if our listeners don't know. Yeah, so our local partners are ones that are going to be within, you know, generally speaking, within the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. So there's Pregnancy Resource Center of Salt Lake City that we intentionally partner with, we have a relationship with. I just saw the president, uh, our operating director, I think is technically his title, uh, just last week, George. Um, they do great things there. So in terms of helping mothers who are having a, a crisis mm-hmm. of some kind of basically how it's described, sometimes they have counseling and all these health things that, that work there. Um, so they do a ton with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's also holding out help that um, was was grown out of somebody who has been at SMCC for a long time yeah. and wanted to help families, uh, particularly children and women who are coming out of polygamy. So that's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, Conversa, uh, language school is one that happens actually at our international campus. Uh, essentially it's, uh, TESOL, it's teaching English as a second language, um, helping people develop in that, um, in an underserved community that we can really help with. Um, and we've got one that's more of a, of a global reach as well. That's, uh, Healing Nations. And, uh, they partner to, to help with, uh, international mission trips and stuff with churches in particular, helping people to serve well in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that's what I've got nailed down. I was just thinking about the partners I've reached out to recently, but, yeah. um, so those are people that, uh, we can do a lot of serving with. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we have a strategy for how to, uh, give new ministry partners opportunity to, um, uh, pursue partnership with us. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, unfortunately we can't partner with everybody. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I mean, yeah, it's something that every year we accept new applications for and we vet uh, those applicants. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it, it is unfortunately unrealistic and impossible for everybody yeah. that applies to be like, Oh yeah, sure. You can be a ministry partner. Yeah. Just, just can't work like that. Yep. <laughs> so, but the, the one thing about activity that's, um, a bit nuanced to the way we talk about activity is Trevor, something that you've helped kind of pioneer here, which is activity is not just doing things with literally your hands, mm-hmm. um, like trunk or treats or car washes or helping your neighbor cut the grass or packaging diapers for the, P- the pregnancy resource center. Hands is a bit more holistic in, in the way you talk about it. Would you describe that for us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like to think of it as uh, role competency, really, that each one of us, um, we all have so many different roles that we fill uh, throughout our lives on a week-to-week basis, um, you know, mother, father, husband, wife, son, daughter, brother, sister, mm-hmm. uh, that even just within, um, you know, kind of family relationships. And then you extend it into uh, work and community and being a neighbor in all of these different areas. And the idea of hands is being equipped to follow Jesus well in each and every one of those roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing how to do that. How do I um, you know, as a husband and a father myself, how am I present with my kids? How do I love and serve my wife well? What does that look like? How do I follow Jesus well in these roles? And what does it mean to follow Jesus well in the context of my neighborhood? And I think um, when you kind of jump into that role, that's really where the, the, um, some of the relationships with our ministry partners become mm-hmm. uh, really valuable. Um, and yeah, I think it's interesting to look at it that way. And that's really where the connection comes into men's and women's ministries, because they give us a chance to break off into these different groups and to have discussions about how do we love and serve well? How do we honor and serve those around us? 
and honor and serve Jesus well in the context of these different roles that yeah. really make up the entirety of our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you hear hands, you think of, you know, truly, yeah, you know, working on a car engine for a, a, someone whose cars broke down. And that's totally loving and awesome. But really, when we talk about hands, we're something we're talking about a responsibility God has placed into our hands. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And that is these roles that we have is that we want to provide dads training through men's ministry on how to connect with their kids and have conversations about hard things with, with their kiddos. Like that's there. It requires training. It requires intentional discipleship Um, or budget conversations. Like the, you know, learn how to balance your budget and honor God with your finances. Like that can take some serious equipping. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's hand stuff. All of our dollars flow out of our hands, literally. Mm-hmm. So it's really anything, you know, it, externally that our hands might touch mm-hmm. that we want to submit to Jesus. And um, so that's how we, t- we, we're talking about hands. It's a bit more uh, mm-hmm. holistic and macro than just, um, you know, helping somebody move. But yeah. once again, 9 a.m. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I, to that end, I remember listening to this talk one time um, of a, a friend of mine gave it, and he was talking about faith and work was kind of like a really, um, is like a hobby horse for him. It was an area that he was really well-versed in, and he was presenting on that. And he, he himself was a consultant at a really big firm in Chicago. And I remember him talking about, he threw up on a slide all of the, the fruit of the Spirit, all of the different qualities that make up the fruit of the Spirit, and basically said uh, that these qualities are exactly what every major company, every Fortune 500 company, they want these to define the culture of their company because these are these are what define a successful, a healthy, a good, solid culture. And he said, but the church is the only one who actually knows how to get there, mm. right? The only one who knows what the true source is of the joy, the love, the peace, the patience that, you know, it comes from full devotion, full delight in Jesus. And I think people who have been given responsibilities of you know, leading and running companies, even of being managers and supervisors, even coworkers, just existing on teams within the different work environments that we have, um, you know, knowing how to operate in such a way that really fosters a healthy culture. Um, I think that's one fantastic way to serve with your hands and to be equipped in that is to know how to do that well. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm a leader of an organization. Uh, everybody's leading something that's organized, I think. I mean, even if you're, uh, you know, in your home, hopefully there's some organization to how your home functions. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're putting our hands to building something healthy. We want to build something healthy. There's a culture in your home. There's a culture in your neighborhood. There's a culture uh, in your cubicle. Wherever you are, culture goes with you because you have values and behaviors that come out of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and so whatever we're putting our hands to to build, we think it should be kingdom-minded and lead to human flourishing. Mm-hmm. That, the, that, that a Christian, a Jesus follower, uh, should live in such a way, tangibly, that in some small way, being around that individual is like being around Jesus. And that's a, that's a lofty thing to even say. And when I say it, I'm like, I don't even know, Eric, if that, you can even say that. <laughs> but I just hope in some small way that's what it's like when people are around the people who are discipled here in the culture that we've created here. So head, heart, hands. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're going to hear me say that, hear us say that for a long time. You're going to be sick of it, but you're going to memorize it. You're going to have it. You're going to have it down. Head, heart, and hands. And, um, I thought we'd just wrap up with, you know, a few loose ends from this, this vision series. But one of them is this, um, head, heart, hands actually works as a pretty decent hermeneutic for reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've noticed as I've been just reading on my own is that I come to certain sections and I just ask myself, is this a head section, a heart section or a hand section? And it's really helpful to, to be able to, 
categorize James 1, for example, as a hands passage or Colossians 1 as a, as a, as a head mm. passage or yeah. um, Ephesians 2, you're a masterpiece in Christ created for good works as an identity passage that flows to uh, uh, a hands passage, excuse me, a, a heart passage that flows to a hands passage. And, and I just think that approach uh, is so clear and straight straightforward um i've seen it already translated into other languages and other cultures and it's brought clarity um so i'm excited to see how this head head heart and hands paradigm continues to impact uh, the ministry of smcc and and i just think it's a really helpful way to reflect on your own discipleship it's also a nice way to think about discipling others um I have a Jack story for you guys. Um, <laughs> I love Jack, Jack yeah, Jack yeah. stories. Uh, we were at the dinner table the other day, and um, we, uh, I said, Jack, have you been talking to God lately? Just ask a quick oh, yeah. question. And he said, no, Dad, why would I talk to God? My life's going great. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pastor's son right like, there. That's I great. I was like, what pastors are you listening to, buddy? You know, the <laughs> prosperity movement setting in in the Nelson home. Um <laughs> <laughs> that you only need God when things are bad, and 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 that's not untrue. God is definitely present with us in our in our pain. That's that's part of it. Yeah. Um, but I had to. I, what I recognized in that moment is my son's head needs some more maturity <laughs> around <laughs> what Christianity actually is, and so I'm able to think about the head, heart, and hands of my children. You know, the head, heart, and hands of um, my, our staff, and and my own head, heart, and hands, and and really pinpoint in what area do I need to be equipped or do some equipping. And um, I hope that, that the paradigm of Head, Heart, Hands has uh, brought real crystal clarity to all of our listeners, but also our church. So yeah. I just want to wrap up with that. Guys, anything you want to wrap up with? No, I think we've, uh, as best as we can, through our message series, and then this as uh, some additional material, have been able to cover this quite well. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. we could talk for hours about this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like where we landed. Yeah. Cool. I just love knowing that if anyone is to ask the question, hey, um, you know, I, I'm brand new to a relationship with Jesus, or even I've been walking with Jesus for some time. I want to go further. I want to go deeper. What do I do? It's as simple as get equipped in head, heart, and hands. Yep. Right. Yep. And everybody can say that. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, this isn't just for pastors to talk about. Head, heart, and hands is uh, for all of us now. Mm-hmm. And I think we've really boiled it down to the... Uh, to the irreducible core. Is that a thing? An irreducible... Remember in fractions, you had to like reduce the number to... Is it irreducible complexity? I know that's that something sounds too, too... That sounds too complex. But we was razor, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're not mathematicians. We're pastors. Um, point, point being, uh, I've tried to beat up the head, heart, and hands perspective from a few different angles, and I just feel like you can't. That, that it really gets at the core of what it means to be a disciple. And so um, I think this is going to continue to uh, to fuel our culture and kind of uh, fan out from our culture i thought about doing the head heart and hands conference i thought about writing a book about it like i just think it's that clear um and so uh we're gonna stick with this for quite a while um as we make disciples here yeah absolutely thank you listeners for being here with us over these last few weeks and uh just really enjoy having you here and and being able to expand on these ideas. So let's give a little teaser to what's coming next, both at SMCC and in terms of the podcast. So what's the next series, gentlemen? <clears throat> next series is Temptations. I can't remember the title now. I've looked at it so many times. The Temptations. Isn't that like a band from the it 70s? It is. Yeah. Okay. Temptations. Mm, so Just yeah. Temptation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do a, a verse-by-verse study through the uh, the wilderness narrative, the Temptation 
uh, narrative from the life of Jesus. And then we're going to make some observations about what temptation actually is, uh, how to spot it, how to expose it, how to uh, fight it and get through it. And so um, that starts this Sunday. So if you're listening to this, you got to get in the room uh, for that series. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and then the podcast will be back when, guys? Boy, I think we talked about January or something with that new series. Kingdom series? Is that the yep. one? Yeah, we've got a series coming uh, called The Kingdom is Like a Study in Matthew. Nine weeks leading up to Easter should be a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, great. Well, guys, yeah, so make sure that you're subscribed. You can leave us a review right now if you'd like to as well. That helps us out. And, man, we'll look forward to uh, just seeing you guys here again when we start up after Thanksgiving and Christmas are all done. We've got a new series for you. So take care. And uh, we will see you here in a few months. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.